Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... A person doesn't just get saved and it's over with. And I, I, I say that so many times to you guys that the, the, the receiving the gospel is the... It's not the finish line, it's the starting line for believers, right? When we receive the gospel, it's like now I'm in Christ. Now I'm in relationship with the Lord. Now I'm getting going with God. It's not, it's not the end. It's the very beginning of our walk and our relationship with the Lord. And so um, Paul says, you guys are now carrying it on. You guys, the work is multiplying through you guys. Are you looking for a way to make a difference in the world? As Christians, we have been called to be the hands and feet of the Lord. What does that mean? In today's message... Pastor Bill talks about the meaning of being the hands and feet of the Lord. We can be the hands of the Lord by serving those in need, reaching out to the lonely, and comforting the hurting. By doing so, we show the world what it means to be a follower of Christ. We can be the feet of the Lord by going where He leads us. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Power of the Gospel. So. If we understand the gospel right, none of us can be proud, right? I'm not better than you. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're anybody that received the gospel, we, we're all recipients of a great gift, are we not? We can be grateful together. That's why we come together to worship together, because we got this common, this common thread that draws us together is we love Jesus. We are grateful to Jesus for what Jesus has done for us. So we come together, we sing together, we worship together, we study together, we serve together. And for some of us here, it's the only thing that draws us together, right? This is a very diverse group here. You guys look around. This is a diverse group of people. The thing that we have in common is the most important thing in our life, and it's Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us. And that's what makes that's what makes us family. That's what draws us together. That's what brings us together for service. And so um, Paul says, look, this God, our gospel, which which we declare to you guys, there's another verse. Um, if you're writing notes, write down Galatians chapter one, um, verse six through nine. Uh, the church in Galatia was being um, they, they had some people coming in with another gospel different than the one Paul preached. And I want you to hear the strong language that Paul uses um, as he, you know, as he kind of battles with this other gospel that came in. In uh, Galatians 1, 6 through 9, Paul says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But listen to what he says, even if we or an angel from heaven I'm sorry, even if, yeah, even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And that word accursed in the Greek is the Greek word anathema. It means be damned to hell. Paul says if somebody comes with a different gospel than the one we preached, let them be damned to hell because their gospel is not the gospel at all. So a gospel that says you got to believe in Jesus and do this and be baptized and speak in tongues and be circumcised and anything is, 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 is not the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ says that the work of Jesus was complete. He died, he was buried, and he resurrected, and that is enough. There's nothing you can add to the finished work of Jesus other than you, you put your faith in it for salvation. Now, in response to that, when you get saved, now there'll be a lot of works 
Now I'm going to serve God. Now I'm going to obey him. Now I'm going to be baptized. Now I'm going to, you know, all that we do, it's in response to the gospel. It's not adding to the gospel. You guys get the difference? And so Paul says here, again, the gospel that we brought to you guys, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but there was power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. And he says, as you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Paul says, remember our example. We were a solid example among you guys as we walked and we lived. You guys got to watch our example. And so I want to say this as people that are living in the world and we're, we're wanting to be um, we're wanting to share and sh- preach the gospel. We got to we got to let our example be solid. Um, some people have the message right, but they live so raggedy that people aren't receptive of their sharing. Um, how many of you guys knew people that were, were maybe shared the gospel with you, but they weren't living right? And it was a hindrance, right? Uh, I knew people that they, they, it wasn't that what they were saying was wrong. It was just that they were living so wrong. I couldn't hear them very well. You know, I, I couldn't see through how they were living and then receive the message they were trying to give me. And so make sure that your life and your message are, 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 are you know, they, they coincide, that they agree, that you're living the life that you're also preaching and sharing with other people. Verse six now, it says, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word and much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Um, one of the, the things here the gospel does, it, it comes in power. Um, it comes in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. It comes with the internal assurance. Um, but here he says, look, you guys became followers of us and the Lord. So in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, imitate me as we also imitate Christ. Another translation says, follow me. As, as we follow Christ. And that's essentially what was happening. They were following in Paul's example. Here's one of the evidences that of the power of the gospel. The gospel brings about genuine transformed lives. And again, I want to explain the difference between gospel transformation and religious transformation. Religious transformation says you should change these things to please God. You make these adjustments. Stop doing that. Start doing this. Don't dress like that. Wear that. Go here. Do this. Do these things and God will be happy with you. That's religion. You're trying to reach out to God. You're trying to be better. Uh, you know, do, you're trying to do better and be better um, so that God will love you more. Be, 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 you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be, I guess that he'll be more accepting of you. The gospel says this. God has already accepted me. God has already loved me. God has already, he already loves me as much as he possibly can. Now I'm, I'm being, the transformation that God brings is this. When you, the day you get saved, who comes to move and who moves inside you? Holy Spirit. The Bible says every, when you believe God gives you the Holy Spirit, he moves in. And so now there's God in you, God with you. And, and it's an internal transformation. You just will begin walking with the Lord. The Holy Spirit will begin to convict you about things you didn't used to be convicted about. There'll be things that you were okay with a month ago, and now just getting going with the Lord, you know, there's a sense of, man, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. God will work from the inside out. It won't be, it won't, it, you won't need people, you know, bugging you from without. God will be at work from within saying, hey, don't do that. I don't go there. Don't, don't talk like that. Don't behave like that. How many guys have experienced that, that, that internal? Yeah, it'll mess you up. When you first get saved, it's like, what's wrong with me, you know? Uh, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm getting soft. I'm getting weak. And God was like, no, I'm, I'm just changing you from the inside out. Um, and so it, this is, again, one of, one of the, the, the 
the great the great demonstrations of the power of the gospel is in transformed lives that people's lives are radically transformed people that were you know whatever you were before you got saved God will transform you I know people that were drug addicts transformed alcoholics transformed players and cheaters transformed you know um just you name it just absolutely transformed not the same for the glory of God and that's part of the power of the gospel that it brings about genuine transformation in a person's life. And I want you to note this at the end of verse six, it says they received it with much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that. In the midst of affliction, they had something supernatural, the joy of the Holy Spirit. Did you get that? That that the, the, something the gospel will bring about is that things don't have to be going well. And you can be you can have the, the supernatural joy of God's spirit at work in your life. Um, Paul shared much of what he shared from, you know, kind of difficult places, but he had joy and he had peace all the way. And so these are some of the fruits of a, a genuine relationship with the Lord. Verse seven says, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Here's another effect of the power of the gospel. It spreads, right? Paul spread it to them. Now they received the gospel from Paul. They're living out the gospel in their lives. And Paul says, now you guys have become examples to all those in Macedonia and Achaia. Now you're doing it, right? The gospel just is a domino effect. This guy got saved and it was genuine. And then he started to impact where he lived. And, and so now the work that Paul had established in them, he's then moved on somewhere else. And God says, look, you guys, are, the work is multiplying through you. That's another effect of the, the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't just end. A person doesn't just get saved and it's over with. And I, I, I say that so many times to you guys that the, the, the receiving the gospel is the, it's not the finish line, it's the starting line for believers, right? When we receive the gospel, it's like now I'm in Christ. Now I'm in relationship with the Lord. Now I'm getting going with God. It's not, it's not the end, it's the very beginning, of our walk and our relationship with the Lord. And so um, Paul says, you guys are now carrying it on. You guys, the work is multiplying through you guys. And I just want to encourage you, right? We're living in a, a weird time. I, I know this is, this is, none of us have ever been in the situation we're in right now. This is brand new for everybody, but this is what's exciting about being in a, a brand new situation. The only person not surprised right now is who? God, he's not surprised. God is looking down like, God, you guys, do you guys believe God has a purpose in this season? Oh, my gosh. I know he does. I know he has purpose for his church in this season. And so we got to tap in. We got to say, God, this is a unique season. Help me not to do what everybody else. What is everybody else doing? Crying and moaning. <laughs> Mash. And me, and me. You know, everybody's crying and complaining and, you know, fighting about governments and everything else. Let's <laughs> I beg you, church. Let's don't do that, right? Because there's something we're supposed to be doing, and I guarantee you it's not whining and complaining with everybody else, right? There's something we're supposed to do in this season, and there's an opportunity for us to be a, a witness at a unique time in history. I think people need hope right now like never before. People need, they need eternal hope. They need connection to God. People need peace. People need right now things that are only available through Jesus Christ. And so those of us that know Jesus Christ, we can't be singing their song. We got our own song to sing, right? We can't be sharing their message. We got a different message to, to share. And so be mindful, right? 
Everybody else may be complaining and it's a difficult time. I can't believe it. Did you see what's happening? Did you see the news? Man, man. Make sure that's not you. I beg you. Don't let that be you. You have much better things to be sharing with your friends and neighbors and coworkers and colleagues. And so at every season, this one in particular, there's a work that God wants to do. One, one thing we know for a fact, God wants the gospel to go out. And I encourage everybody here to, man, just, just pray that God would help you to be fluent in, in the communication of his good news. And I want you to think about that. Am I, am I sharing good news? Am I, am I lifting people up or am I bumming people out? Or I, I mean, what, am I, what are my words doing on a regular basis? Who do I sound like? Let me tell you this. You're going to sound like what you listen to. Some of y'all need to be careful what you pour in because the Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and whatsoever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. So if you're listening to a bunch of negative news, guess what you're going to sound like? You're going to sound like your news anchor and whatever bent they have, whatever negative things, that's what you're going to sound like. So you need to be listening to the Lord. You need to be in God's word. You need to be listening to, you know, listen to, listen to gospel messages, listen to the preaching of the word of God, listen to something that if it's going to flow out of you, you're going to be speaking hope and, and encouragement and, and pointing people to Jesus in a time when, when I believe people need Jesus like never before. And God is looking for the church to, to step up and to shine. And so the believers here, they were spreading the gospel now. They were, they were now leading people to Christ. Verse 8, it says, for from you, listen to this, for from you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place, your faith towards God has gone out so that we don't need to say anything. Paul said, look, I was, you know, I'm, I'm hearing about your, your faith has gone so far. We don't even need to come say nothing. Y'all are doing it. Y'all are getting it done. Everybody is hearing about it. It is, it is going out everywhere you guys go, Achaia, Macedonia, and everywhere you go, I'm hearing that you guys, you guys are getting it done. You guys are sharing, you're sharing the word everywhere you go. I want to encourage this church, our church, that again, that would be our, I would love for that to be our testimony. That just everywhere we go, some of my people are like, man, that, that, those people are sharing the gospel. That we're sharing the good news of Jesus. Everywhere we go, every opportunity we get, wherever God sends us, whoever, whoever we end up before, that we're communicating the hope of the gospel. It's not our business that people receive it or not. It's not our business if they accept it or not. But it is our business to be sharing it in love and in faith with everybody that will hear it. Amen? Are we agreed? Would you guys agree to do that? I want to take a picture of everybody on your way out with your hands up, but I, I'm not going to do you like that. But I, 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 do, I do wish, I do hope, I do pray that, that we would take these, this encouragement. We can't just read this. I hope you can't. I hope you can't just read this and be like, oh, that was cool. The, Macedonia, the church in Macedonia, they, they, they did their they they thing. I hope you read this and say, God, use us. I, I want to I wanna be used. I got neighbors that don't know him. I got friends that don't know him. I got people on my timeline that don't know him. I have people in my family. God, help me. Help me. Help it to be from the overflow. Give me wisdom how. Give me answers for the difficult things, but, but let it be my heart to communicate the gospel. Paul is so encouraged that they're just going. He says, you guys have done it so well. That I, I, there's nothing, I don't, I don't need, we don't even need to say anything. You guys are doing a great job. Paul is not saying that you live so solid, we don't need to share the gospel. They've shared and lived in such a way that Paul's saying, you guys have covered everything. Verse 9 now, it says, For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. 
Notice the transformation. Again, this is a evidence of the power of the gospel. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Paul says, you guys have turned from God. You guys have turned to God from your idols, right? In, in, Thessalon- in Thessalonica, there was lots of idolatry. Um, there was a lot of sexual sin. We'll, we'll come up to that in the next couple chapters. Uh, there was a lot of sexual sin that was prevalent and prominent in this area. Um, there was the worship of some of these false deities included um, sexual, you know, encounters of such. And so Paul says, you guys have turned from your idols and you turn to the living and true God because every other God is not living or true. And you guys have turned from false gods to the living and the true God. And you guys are waiting for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, none other than Jesus, even Jesus. No, what does Jesus do? Everybody read this last phrase with me. Even Jesus who does what? Delivers from the wrath to come. This is such an important component of the gospel. There's, a, there's, a, there's an impact that the gospel has now, right? I am born, I'm born again right now. And I'm indwelled by the Spirit of God right now. And I've, I've been given gifts of the Spirit right now. There's a work that God wants to do through my life right now. But one day, one thing is positive. I will not live forever on, in this way, not in this body, on this earth. I'm either going to die or be raptured. i got to meet the Lord. And so I've been delivered from the wrath to come. Now, I want to exp- end on this note, right? Because maybe there's somebody here, someone listening, or someone that will watch this later that needs to understand that there is wrath to come. Uh, One of the reasons why we need salvation, why we call it salvation, is because apart from Christ, I am in my sins. For you guys that have been through our discipleship, we talk about everything the Bible says about you before you got saved, right? Because some people don't know this. Before you're born again, this is what the Bible says about you. It says in Ephesians 2.1 that you're dead in your trespasses and sin. You're spiritually dead. It says in Ephesians, I'm sorry, in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. You have a spiritual death sentence upon you. It says in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 that God says that my, my, my hand is not short that it cannot save, nor is my ear deaf that it cannot hear, but your sins have separated between you and your God. You are separated from God by your sins. And then lastly, um, well, I think those, those, there's one more, but that's, those are the ones I remember right now. So we're separated with a spiritual death sentence. We're spiritually dead. Um, these, are, these are some of the things that the Bible says about you before salvation. So why we need to be saved? I got a spiritual death sentence. I'm going to go to hell when I die. I'm separated from God by my sins. I am living dead. I'm spiritually dead right now. Though I'm physically alive, I'm spiritually dead. When I come to faith in Christ, all that changes. Now I'm not separated. I'm reconciled. Now I'm not a sinner, I'm a saint. Now I don't have a spiritual death sentence, I have the hope of heaven, right? I'm, I'm looking forward to it. When I die, it be the best day of my life. I'm not jumping in front of Mack trucks, but the believer shouldn't fear death like, like the non-believer. For believer, death is literally the best thing will ever happen. To be absent from the body is to be what? That's, we got to be able to rejoice in that. Somebody say, die, I'm going to cry because I'm going to miss them. But I got to be able to rejoice in the fact that they are with God. They would not come back if they could. No, nobody would get in the presence of the Lord and be like, oh, I miss my mom. You know, I want to go back with my kids or whatever. You, everybody else, they're they are, they are living, they are now living their best life. Um, anybody think they're living their best life now have to be going to hell when this is over with. So 
If you go into heaven, you cannot be living your best life now. That's just for free. So there is a hell to shun. There's something to get out of. God says, look, I will, I mean, Jesus will deliver us from the wrath to come. That's, that's, that's something that God has done for us that I'm, I know that I will not die and go to hell. I won't die and be eternally separated from God in a place called hell because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done. Now, if you've not received the gospel, then you got to deal with the wrath of God face to face. You got to stand before God in your sins. Nobody wants to do that. I promise you. God is holy and he hasn't missed anything. It says in Revelation at the at the great white throne judgment that those who those who were not born again, when they stand before God in final judgment, that books were opened. The book of life was opened and their name is not found written in it. Other books are open, which are all your deeds. Imagine imagine a book, you guys, that contains every sin you've ever committed. Indeed, thought, just every think about all the sins you've ever committed and it being written in a book. And you going into a court scene and God is a perfect holy judge. He hasn't missed anything. And it's all there as an indictment against you. And you got to stand trial before God. You, you, you lose. Right. You, can you fool God? No, you can't. You, you can't fool God. You can't be like, well, God, you know, let me explain. No, no, no. This is what you did. And the wages of this is death. You had a chance to receive me. And you didn't. My gospel was preached and you rejected it. My son was presented to you and you chose otherwise. Now you, you live with that for all eternity, right? Flip it over. Let the believer die. There is no judgment. There is no sin. My sins have been washed away in the blood of Jesus. I'm not a, I'm not a perfect person, but my sins are washed away. When I stand before God, he sees me like he sees Jesus. You and I that are saved, we stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You know what a good, you know how good, how, what, you guys know what great news that is? Think about how bad you really are and the fact that one day you're going to stand before God and a perfect holy God is going to see you as though you were Jesus in perfection, without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish because of what Christ has done for you. That's why the gospel is so important. And then I'm accepted in his presence and I'm welcomed into his presence and I go in before him as a son, um, not an enemy, right? Um, that's, that's what's available to us. That's the, that's the power of the gospel. And so we can live now with the hope of that, you know, being received by the Lord, forgiven by the Lord. But also the Bible says for the believer, there is a judgment. It's called the Bema seat judgment, right? Here's the, the good news about that judgment. God is only judging there your deeds, your works, that which is rewardable and that which is not. That means every day since you've been saved, you have the opportunity to live in such a way that you're storing up treasure in heaven. And God is going to judge your motives, your wise, and everything else. Um, and that which is done in the flesh is going to be wood, hay, and stubble, and it's going to put, be put in the fire and go whoosh. It'll be nothing to show for it. But that which you've done in pure motive and right heart and the love of Christ will be gold and silver and precious metals, and it'll be refined in the fire, and you'll be rewarded eternally. And think about eternal reward is that it's never going to go away. It's there for all eternity, which is why I exhort you guys um, man, find, find a place of service. Find some way to serve God. Don't, don't waste your Christian, your Christian. Now that you're a believer, now you want to be living for eternity as, as though that's where you're going. Amen? So as we wrap up chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, the power of the gospel, we've seen the power of the gospel in Paul's life. We see the power of the gospel through his life. We see it as these believers received it and were transformed by it. 
They also became the messengers of it as they shared it in their community. And as we wrap this up, Paul says, look, they're, they are now, they're also waiting for his son, whom he raised from the dead, who delivers us from the wrath to come. That's what we're all doing. We're looking forward to the day where we're going to meet the Lord again. Imagine a withered, seemingly dead houseplant that doesn't look like it will survive. You check on it daily. You give it water and make sure it's getting the right amount of sunlight. Then finally, it perks up. The life has returned to it. Your patience and love prevailed in revitalizing it to a healthy state. This is what Christ does for us, as we're reminded in 1 Thessalonians. Friends, we can be refreshed and restored instead of discouraged and tired. What a grand picture. There are many life-giving nuggets found in the Bible like this one, and so much more to learn about. That's why this ministry dedicates a space on our website to download the mobile app. This is a great tool to have because it allows you to hear the teachings of Jesus whenever and wherever you are. Head on over to calvaryinglewood.org and scroll down to the bottom of the page. There you'll find the information you need. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. We'd be ecstatic for you to join us this coming Sunday if you're in the area. There's a service at 11 a.m. and for our early birds, a 9 a.m. service. Tied up on Sunday with other things? We understand. There's also a midweek gathering on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can find the directions and other helpful information on our homepage, calvaryinglewood.org. Would you consider partnering with us to reach more people for Jesus? If so, just click on the Give tab and know that we're grateful for your generosity. Well, we're out of time for today. We look forward to the next time we're together, right here on A Transforming Word.